Hello and welcome to Resourceful, stories from the site, proudly brought to you by Resources Unearthed. At Resources Unearthed, we help executives, professionals and business owners in mining and resources to be successful both personally and professionally. We've created this podcast to help you in your employment or business, and we'll be chatting to people who have a proven track record of success in the industry. Thanks for joining us. I'm James Marshall from Resources Unearthed, and welcome to today's episode of Resourceful. Today, we're doing something a little different. We're shifting our focus to the families within the mining and resources community. For our first episode of our family series, we're speaking to Vicky Landmark, the wife of recently interviewed John Landmark. Vicky provides a fresh and honest perspective on what life is like when your typical house move isn't across the city or state, but to a new country and where the only constant seems to be inconsistency. We're excited to share Vicky's stories and infectious sense of adventure with you and look forward to delivering more from the families supporting our mining and resources industry. Hi, my name is Brett Cribb, Managing Director and Founder of Resources Unearthed, and welcome to Resourceful Stories from the Site. Today I'm joined by John and Vicky Landmark. I've known them both since we lived and worked together almost 30 years ago in Mount Isa. While I met John through work, I met Vicky at our social get-togethers and our games of rugby union. Today is the first episode in something a little different for our Resourceful podcast. It's something that's been on my mind for a while and that of my mining and resource colleagues as well, and that is our partners and their experiences. We all know what a huge impact our partners have on our lives, both professionally and personally, and we all know the equally difficult impact a career in mining and resources can have on our families. In the industry, it's not uncommon to move regularly to remote and far away places with our partners and kids, but leave behind the support network of extended families. The subsequent life experiences can be many and varied and reflecting the change felt often in multiple areas of lives. This episode explores how people can adjust and cope with change, their experience supporting one another and how we can all learn from each other to make those experiences better. So wherever you are, sit back, relax and enjoy this episode of Resourceful with some of John and Vicky's most memorable family stories from the site. So welcome John and Vicky and thanks for joining us today. Thanks, oh, Brett. Thank you, Good Brett. to see you. It's good to see you again. To begin with, Vicky, could you tell us how and when you came to be exposed to the mining and resources industry? Well, I've kind of been in it right from the beginning. I'm also a geologist. So John and I actually met at university. We were in the same class together. And I think that that's probably been a good thing for me following John's career, because at least I've understood what he's talked about. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting. With our subsequent moves and everything, I've moved from mineralogy to exploration geology for a while. So I started off as a mineralogist and worked in the platinum industry in Johannesburg. And then John and I got married and moved to Namibia, where we were both exploration geologists. So early on, I was, I was lucky enough to be employed by the same employer as John, which was very fortuitous. Then when we moved to London, there wasn't much for me to do. So I then did my diploma in gemology and moved into the gemstone side of things, which is where I am today. Could you tell us a bit about what your experience was 
with John progressing through his career and various roles and sites and what was the impact on you and your kids and how you felt about it, what you did, all those sorts of things. Yeah, in the early days, our first move was from South Africa to Mount Isa. And at that stage, we had one daughter and I was seven months pregnant with Shannon. So I arrived in Mount Isa in the January and Shannon was born in the May. So that was pretty stressful because I thought, well, I don't have a support group. We had no family in Australia. So we arrived in Mount Isa not knowing anybody really. But I think the joy of remote mining towns is how quickly you make friends. Your friends are really, really important to you. And we made friends so quickly that by the time Shannon was born, the doctor actually couldn't even get into my room to see how I was because I had so many visitors there, mm. which just shows you the support group that is within the mining industry of the mining wives supporting each other. In those days in Mount Isa, John was home every night, which was great while the kids were small. So he was there to be a you know, sort of full-time dad and support me in bringing up the kids when you're, you're battling with, with young kids. From Mount Isa, we moved across to the west, to Perth, and the kids were then in junior school. And at that stage, I decided to give up my career and become more involved with the kids and helping at school and everything, which was great to help because there's a lot of opportunities in the schools here to help them. And John was fly in, fly out. So he came home every weekend and I had the kids Monday to Friday. So it was full on, but I think I was fortunate that they were at junior school, they weren't tiny, so they could at least dress themselves and things like that. Whereas I felt for the wives with the fly in, fly out husbands who had the really small kids and they had to do everything for them. And I think that would have, that would have been a strain and I was lucky not to have had to gone, gone through that. Yeah. Then from Perth, we moved to London. Yep. And by this stage, Joanne was entering in, into high school. So we had one at the beginning of high school. So that was a bit stressful trying to find schools and things. Going to a new country, a new town where you know nothing. And I had to spend a lot of time researching schools. And you know, mums always worry about the kids and their education. But went over there. And one thing I learned, don't worry about your kids because they make friends really fast. So that was our big first really big move with kids. Again, not knowing anybody in the UK and not having a support group. But the kids settled down really, really quickly and they just blossomed. They loved the history of London and it was interesting to see how they grew. After London, we moved back to Australia. Yeah, to and Queensland. When we moved back to Australia, there was a, a lot of things against me because I was moving Joanne just before she was going into her final years of education. And people really sort of looked down on me in a lot of ways, moving her at that stage. But again, as I say, no, no worries about the kids because she, she moved and I told the people in the UK, you know, O-levels aren't everything. They mean nothing elsewhere mm. in the world. Mm. Don't worry. And moved them over. Joanne went into year 11 and Shannon into year 10. And both girls did fantastically. And one's now a physio and one's a vet. So 
that was really good. They bounce back. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I think yeah. Kid, kids uh, evolve much rap more rapidly than we do. Yeah. They do. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You worry about them, but they they really take it, take to it like a duck to water. Yes, yeah. And it's interesting you make the comment about when you moved to London and the things you were trying to research and, and stuff like that. And that there's probably a lot of support in mining company contracts for physically moving people somewhere, yeah. but probably maybe not as much thought about some of those, that yeah. support network of, or that support information around families and kids. And, and that's where I think relocation agents are key people in moves like that with mm. people and families, because you don't know areas to live in, where good schools are, or schools that suit your kids with their yeah. specific needs. And a relocation agent is a huge, huge help. Unfortunately, for that move to London, we were offered one too late. I'd done all the work and they said, yes, you've done a good job. I thought, well, yeah. I could have <laughs> a job as a relocation <laughs> agent. Yeah. Sounds like my new job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe perhaps you could tell us something about uh, what you've enjoyed most about your family's moves and, and the journey through John's career as well, what you've enjoyed most. What I've enjoyed most is the opportunity to travel and seeing different places. Because when you live in a place, you really get involved with the people there and learning their different cultures. And I think that's a really enriching experience. For instance, you know, us moving to Brazil was an amazing experience. It was also one of the most difficult experiences in our lives because we had to learn a new language and I'm not a language person. So that was huge for me to try and learn Portuguese. And, you know, we didn't have the kids with us. That was our first move without the girls because the girls were at university. So emotionally, that was traumatic. But, you know, you go to these places, everybody supports you and you make the most amazing friendships. And now, if John and I have to look, we have friends all over the world. We can travel anywhere and find somebody to stay with and catch up, have a good yarn, a bottle of wine or two. And I think that yeah, travel and friendships are the, the main things that you can gain out of, out of moving. Yeah, I think that's one of the great things about the mining and resources industries is that people are all over the world. Wherever you go, you'll probably find someone that you know. And, and uh, you'll probably experience something different in doing it. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Vicky, could you tell us a little bit more about what you're doing now and what you're up to now? So at the moment, I'm working in a jeweler's shop in Mullaney, which I absolutely love. Probably one of the best jobs that I've had and most fun. Cost John a lot of money. But... <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't fool her. She yeah, knows whether it's it. fake or that's not. That's right. <laughs> no cubic zirconias here. That's yeah, right. That's exactly, right. exactly. He always jokes that when we were at university together, he used to bring me lumps of granite and things, and I'd be delighted. And yeah. this, this no longer works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does. She's raised, might work for a geologist, but not a gemologist. No, no, She's no, raised no. the price a little that's bit. <laughs> So I, I part-time work there, which is, which is lovely. And now John's been offered a transfer to Canada with the company he's working with in human resources. So I'm now faced with another move, mm. which is always a challenge when a wife gets told that. You yeah. think, oh no, not again. Yeah, I'm afraid so. <laughs> yes, that's it. 
So I always say you always cry twice with every move. Mm. You cry because you have to go yeah. and you cry because then you have to leave and come back. Yeah. So at the moment where I am now, I'm crying because I have to go. So there's a lot to organise. It's difficult because, again, the girls will not be coming with us mm. as they're adult kids now. And the downside is we're expecting our first grandchild. Mm. So we've got the next generation and I'll be missing out on the yeah. baby, which yeah. is really hard to swallow. And I have to keep sort of consoling myself and looking at the cup half full rather than half empty mm. because it is difficult. And I know that it'll be good over there because it's yeah. a different country, a different experience. We'll also get to explore a different part of the world, which is always good. And yeah, I'll be flying back to keep seeing the grandchild. That's right, exactly. <laughs> Never mind about the half cup. We're just going to fill it up yeah, anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whether I'll work in Canada, I'm not too sure. I'm going to get a work permit. Um, just to give me that opportunity if I want to. Mm. But I'm a bit torn at the moment because I want to have the flexibility of the travel and coming home when I need to. So I'll initially see how it goes and then, you know, maybe see if I can find a nice flexible part-time job like I've got at the That's moment. It. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. John and Vicky, could you tell us a bit more about maybe a bit about a difficult or interesting time in your life and what you did and what would you do differently? I think we probably should talk about our experience in moving from London to Brazil. Yeah, because yeah, that, that certainly was the most challenging, I think, for many aspects, but it was the most rewarding as well in many ways. It was, yeah. yeah. As I said, the language was the biggest thing mm. for me, moving yeah. to Brazil, and leaving the girls was yeah. just traumatic. We'd left the girls and I said, you know, just look after yourselves, be careful. And we had a stopover in Singapore, put our phones on, and there was a message from the girls. <laughs> One of them had already crashed the car. <laughs> <laughs> We'd only been gone five We'd hours. We'd been gone yeah, eight hours or whatever flight to Singapore, and one of them had already crashed the car. Yeah. So from Brazil, there were other you know, traumatic things to go through, long distance with the girls, which is a challenge. But these days with Skype and WhatsApp and all those type of things, mm it's a lot easier to keep in contact with your kids that are the other side of the world. Yes. And kids are always kids and always go, Mum, I've got a problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's very emotional, but you know, you do get through it. And if you have to, you can just fly home, you know? Mm. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, and I guess also thinking about Brazil, it's um, just to chip in here. One of the things we had to get used to was that, first of all, we're in a country where our first language English wasn't the local language and we had to accept that that's normal and deal with that but then also there's a level of bureaucracy that you've mm. got to overcome and trying to overcome bureaucracy when it's not your own language is doubly frustrating. Yes. Yeah. So there were things like um, not... It took me not, months to get the internet on. Yeah, to, to even house. get an internet provider and things as basic as uh, trying to be able to open a bank account, which you can't do until you've got the work visa and the, uh, tax, file the tax file number and mm. all these things. And then that links to the fact that, uh, yes, you might get a loan from your company, but you're not actually going to get paid officially until you've got a until bank account. A bank account. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so there's so a it's sort a of vicious circle. Catch-22. But we worked our way through that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It did take a little while. But it was. And we, landed, we started off in Brazil not having any, waiting for our furniture to come over. But 
nobody thought to hire us furniture. So we lived yeah. for six to eight weeks in a house with two chairs yes. and a box for a table. That's yeah, we used, the, uh, we used the, the package box that the TV screen came in. We put that on, on another box and made that into a dining room table. Yeah, <laughs> so. yes. I can relate to that. I, I remember starting off in Mount Isa, the same sort of thing, yeah. eating off a box every night for a little while. <laughs> Yeah. So you got yourself a table or had but, enough money to get yourself a table. We, we had some friends over and we had a dinner party we on the box. We had a dinner party on the TV box. <laughs> you always make the best of it. Yeah, and that's you, it. You become, yeah. you become resilient, but then you do reach a, a stage where John realised that if he didn't do something, his wife was going back to Australia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a point where I had to learn to speak up. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that was, the, uh, that was the answer to the question from John about, uh, a question to John would be, uh, you know, what would you do differently in terms of family things or yeah. like that? Maybe that's the question you have to jump in a bit earlier, maybe. Well, I, I, th I think, to be honest, from my point of view, it's that I was so focused on trying to establish myself in my career, I lost sight of the fact that maybe Vicky was also struggling. You mm. know, in hindsight, the takeaway is don't ever lose sight of what's going on in your own family life because you will get there with establishing rapport and you know the, the respect of the team that you're trying to work with but you can't do that instantly that takes time yeah. but make sure that the home home life is uh, sorted mm. well yeah there's probably a thing about communication between couples and, oh, and yeah. things like that around both having to speak up and say well I'm really struggling I need some help here or yeah. what it might be or, and maybe the other side listening a bit more about what's going on and yeah. realising, well, uh, uh, your partner does need some help, you know. And we found generally that in each of our moves, we have had to really communicate well. And each move does bring us as a, as a couple closer together. We found that we have become a stronger family unit yeah. with each move. I think that comes because you have only got each other because you start off, you have no friends. And so it does bring you together. What did you find that really helped you or that worked well in those? Is there anything you can think of that um, might help our listeners in those sort of circumstances? I'll go back to a move that Vicky has left out, which was the very first one, which was our honeymoon after getting married, was that we jumped in a car and we drove to Namibia and then we lived in a caravan on a mm. farm for two years. She seems to forget that <laughs> I set the tone of our lives very early on. In, in a caravan, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the desert so, of Namibia, so we, no doubt. Yeah, so we were both geologists in a, as part of a feasibility team working in Namibia on an exploration project. But one of the practices that we actually, um, I suppose, adopted right up front was that every evening when we finished work, we'd just retreat back to our caravan. We might have a glass of wine, but we'd actually just debrief. Mm. You know, we'd just have yeah. a chat. How did you go today? It's something that we, we've done ever since. And so no matter where I am in the world, wherever I'm traveling, time dependent, I don't always get the time right, but uh, give her a call and uh, we just have a bit of a chat. And yeah. I think that's helped enormously. Yeah, that's a great tip, I think, for any any people or any couple, and yeah. but particularly in the resources industry where you, you face all those moves and we, we drag our partners all the way around the world or all the way around to the back of Whoop Whoop somewhere yeah. or whatever it might be into a difficult situation that you haven't experienced before. And perhaps that's the answer to, is there anything else you'd tell yourself, your younger self, what you should do more of or less of or you do differently now or... I suppose my biggest thing I would have done differently was to keep my career going. You know, you take it down to part-time or whatever because you're balancing family and moves and everything and it is difficult for 
both of you mm. to keep a career going. Mm. And I think ultimately one has to give in, but I would not give it up because I found it very difficult once the kids had left home to then get back into some form of employment because yeah. you've been so long out of it that you have to study again, which is more difficult later on in life. It's far easier if you keep it going and ticking over in some capacity all the way through. Mm. That's the one big thing I would have done yeah. differently. Yeah. And I think it was good of you to take up the gemology because you've used that, you've taken that anywhere you've gone in the world. Yeah. So you've actually had that at least, but it, you're right. It's, it has been very much uh, that we've, we've sort of backed one particular career strand. Yeah. And that yeah. was that was our choice. I yeah. did that, you know, willingly. It was our choice at the time. Yeah. But yeah. looking back, it's yeah, that, I would have I would have looked after myself a bit more. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think that's a. I think I've found that a common theme, and that uh, maybe there's a bit more looking after the self of the partner that needs mm. to be done a bit more and made that opportunity to provide. And I think John in HR roles now, you'd probably see a bit of it, but. Um, I'm certainly seeing a bit more of a trend in flexibility in the resource industry for flexibility for partners to be to be able to yeah. work less hours. But I also see that there's probably not enough flexibility in some respects. But it's certainly changed a lot over the years. I agree. And, and yeah, and I yeah. mean, just to give you a very current example, I'm looking mm. at um, helping two couples move from Australia to to Canada, and mm. there's another two going the other way. And I've spent as much time with the partner, in fact, even more time with the partner, um, helping them understand what the impact of the move than, in fact, the individual. Because the individual always wants the job and mm. is excited by it. But quite often they're actually uh, in a bit of a conflict because they're almost negotiating between their spouse and, yeah. and the, uh, the company. Yeah. And so what I've tried to do is uh, actually get the partner involved. And so, in fact, have flown both you know the couples uh, both mm. uh, the husband and wife over to uh, either Canada or Australia so yeah. that they can actually ask any question they want you know be more transparent about it and be open about it yeah so you know you talked about one of the key things you do every day is having a bit of a debrief mm. is there anything else that you'd give um, younger couples a tip of, of what you do in addition to something like that, that you found work for yourselves along the way or you found to have been good things? or Well, one thing I'd like to say is because the w women, as I keep saying, always think about the kids. And for young people considering a move, don't worry about your kids. They are resilient and everything. And it's interesting because now that our kids are adults, I ask them, what the impact of all these moves were on them. And I said, you know, do you think it was a good thing or a bad thing? How do you think, you know, you've benefited from it? And both girls have said it was the best thing that happened to them. And they said that they have found that they are far more broad-minded than a lot of their friends and that they are able to talk to anybody. They have the confidence mm. because they've had to make friends repeatedly. They know how to talk to people who are from a CEO to a cleaner. They can talk to anybody and feel really comfortable in the company of anybody and have that confidence and, and just a worldly look on life, whereas they find that those that have not travelled, been to the same school, are extremely insular. Yeah, more life learnings. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I guess just a slightly different tangent to that is have a good camera 
take photographs and uh, because each move is a chapter in itself and uh, what we've found is that over the years uh, Vicky's been really diligent about this but putting photo books together for our different sort of chapters and it's been a wonderful way to actually look back on where we've been because sometimes you sort of forget the richness. And you appreciate life and what you've done. What's your most memorable or funniest story from your journey as a family, you know? Well, my funniest memory is when I got to Brazil, we had a housekeeper who could only speak Portuguese. And I was finding that the sliding doors downstairs were sticking because there was so much grime in the tracks. Yeah. So I said in my best Portuguese, Cristiano, please only clean these tracks. And of course, there's lots of gesticulations as well as with my very poor Portuguese. Yeah. Yeah. I said, don't clean the windows, just in the tracks. Oh, yes, yes, he understood. So I thought, oh, good, I'm onto this. Go back upstairs. And then I hear this water gushing. And there is Cristiano standing inside with the hose pipe, <laughs> hosing down these huge glass panes. And I just look here, I was going, oh my goodness. <laughs> I obviously did not get through. Yeah. Thankfully, there was no furniture had arrived and yeah. all the floors were granite. So nothing no was... No carpets to get wet. There was nothing that mattered that could get wet. But he cleaned the... I just left him cleaning the entire lot. I thought, yeah. oh well, better luck Done next now, time. Yeah, yeah. Better luck with your Portuguese next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I have to say, one of my enduring memories was that when we moved from Perth to London and we just boarded the flight, girls six years and eight years old, I think. Yeah, anyway, right they, of course, uh, sitting in business class feeling very special, so special that they actually said to mom and dad, please ignore us. We want to pretend that we're flying on our own. (laughs) But then they couldn't help themselves. We were about an hour into the flight and our elder daughter, Joanne, turned around, leaned over to us and said, you know, mom and dad, I don't know how I ever endured economy. (laughs) And so we've taken that. Oh dear, what have we done? We've taken that with us forever. That story gets repeated many times. No, it's, it's, uh, I think, uh, on reflection, it's just been a very rich life and uh, we've been very blessed and, uh, yeah, it's been great to be able to reminisce about it. There's tough times, but there's a lot of fun times. Mm. So, well, well, thanks, um, Vicky and John, for joining us today and for giving our listeners some insight into family life in the mining and resources industry. It's been great to have you both here and thanks very much, Vicky, for sharing your story and your journey. Oh, it's a um, pleasure. And uh, for those listening, if you'd like to speak to Vicky or John, you're more than welcome to contact uh, with John on LinkedIn and you'll see that information on our podcast series page and and we'll provide some contact information there. Well, thank you, Brent. And, and uh, we both really appreciate that you, uh, you thought to tell the other side of the story. It's not yeah. always about um, the career and that. It's about the full family life. I think that's very important. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Resourceful, stories from the site. We'll be back in a month with more tips and insight from our other industry leaders. We'd love to connect with you. You can find us on all the usual social channels and our website, resourcesunearthed.com.au. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode.